So it's a good idea to go out and take a look at what the new builders are doing and then see what you can do to make a few adjustments in your property that you're trying to put at a level that brand new construction would come at. Maybe that's adding lighting, updating countertops, going with a more modern color scheme. Welcome to the Good Stewards Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to seasoned real estate investors who want to maximize the cash flow potential in their business. We are buy and hold investors with a thousand plus properties and markets across the U.S. who bring an insider's view into the nitty gritty details of real estate investing. If you're looking to develop the mindset, teams, and systems that can dramatically build your real estate business and net worth, you're in the right place. Welcome to this episode of the Good Stewards Podcast. I'm Ryan Dossey. I'm Amanda Perkins. I'm Bill Sirius. And I'm Andrew Sirius. Welcome, everyone. We are excited today to be with you. We're going to be talking about one of my favorite topics and probably every one of our favorite topics, and that's how do you add value to a property? Matter of fact, yesterday I got a call from a real estate agent, and she brokers apartment complexes and saw one of ours. And she uh, calls on behalf of a client, one client in particular, who's, uh, which is a great strategy. As a matter of fact, when we were finished talking and I said, no, I'm not interested in selling, I said, but I am interested in employing you uh, if you stop working for this gentleman. And she said, well, actually, I work for a number of investors calling on behalf of them to uh, see if they can acquire properties. And then she asked me, what are you looking for? And I get that question a lot, as I bet many of you do. And my first thought was something I can add value to. You name it, if I can add value to it, I'm interested in looking at it. So the bottom line, as I told her, and she, of course, totally understood, is that we're not looking to buy properties at retail prices. We're looking to buy at wholesale. And if you buy at wholesale, you've really got to have an edge in your and your buying criteria. And that edge usually is how can I do something to this property that will increase its value from what people see right now or what the seller sees right now to what it could be. And so that's a pretty exciting topic. And every time I look for a property, and I would encourage everyone out there, every time you look at a property in your mind should be, how can I add value to this property, this situation? And sometimes you're adding value by, uh, by uh, rectifying a problem. That's often how you add value. But let's divide this uh, conversation into two parts. One is how do you add value to the sales price or the actual value of the property? And secondly, how do you add value to the rental price? In other words, uh, buying it to flip it or buying it to hold it. So let's start with buying it to flip it. I think I'll open this up and uh, kind of uh, talk about some specific situations that we've found ourselves being able to add value. And let's talk first of all about if you're flipping a property, what's your criteria in looking at a property that is just ripe for flipping and for adding as much value? And just one more thought to put in your mind. Think of yourself as a ski jumper. You know, those Olympic events where people go crazy particularly from Norwegian countries. The like flying squirrel action. Oh my gosh, they fling themselves down this mountain and then they shoot themselves up. And could you imagine what that's like being on the top 
of that thing? Well, actually, that's where you want to be in terms of selling a property. You want to 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 make it make the deal so profitable that you're at the very peak of the profitability, but then you start going down. If you over rehab, if you over, uh, if you do things to take too much time, you're expending too much energy, you start to sink farther and farther down. So you want to be at the very peak when you sell that property. The thought of that makes my knees nervous. (laughs) (laughs) What's some examples of folks that are some examples that, uh, our good stewards here have of uh, creating value. So before we do that, I do just want to give kind of a quick tip that you mentioned from this real estate agent that we've seen on the marketing side for deals. So different people respond to different things. So if you cold call a list versus direct mailing that same list, you're going to get different responses. Um, We had a guy that we'd mailed, gosh, I don't know, for a year or two who never called us but off of a cold calling campaign was like, oh my gosh, yes, I would absolutely love to sell. And it was like, well, why haven't you called us? So another interesting thing you can do if you have a realtor on your team or no one is do a marketing campaign from the realtor to the property owner of, I have a client who's interested in making you a cash offer for your house. Um, they pay all of my fees. It doesn't cost you anything. Um, you know, give me a call if this is something you'd be open to. It's comical. We'll hit a list with a, you know, we'll buy your house as is for cash piece and the realtor piece will get different responses. So um, if you've, you know, quote unquote, tried everything else, it's a potentially a good option. So let's dive into it. How, how have we seen ourselves being able to add value in a various markets that we've uh, flipping? Okay. Well, mm-hmm. it's seems kind of elementary. A lot of times we'll try to take a house and give it features that are popular in today's market. So it's a good idea to go out and take a look at what the new builders are doing and then see what you can do to make a few adjustments in your property that you're trying to put at a level that the new house, you know, brand new construction would come at. Maybe that's adding lighting, updating countertops, uh, going with a more modern color scheme, um, molding, right. Just sort of taking, you know, and try to, obviously you're going to want to maximize your dollars spent. So you're not going to want to gut everything if, unless you really have to, but really just trying to take a few elements and kind of see what's popular in the market, what's selling fast. It's a good idea to look at, um, what kinds of things go quickly, that sort of thing. And so see what, kind you know what simple things you could do in your property to kind of mimic what's going on on a new construction site i would also throw in on a flip um if you're like us and you're a buy and hold investor you may want to use like not the tan and white color scheme or you may want to do something you know nicer than the typical countertops you do um i know one of the things we've seen in in flips in particular is it's like the small things, you know, if you have kind of the old like particle board doors, updating them to the six panels doesn't really cost you that much in the grand scheme of things, but make someone think like, you know, wow, this, this place is nice. Similar with like trim. Um, you know, we pretty much always paint our trim on anything we do. If you have kind of the old wood colored, I mean, it just really, really dates a property for people. Same thing with like hardware, right? swapping out, you know, knobs on cabinets and vanities and things of that nature can make the property feel a lot newer, um, even if it's not. 
I would say a couple things with rentals. I would still do the 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 poles and and uh, and knobs and stuff like that, as well as the outlet and switch covers, just because they're really cheap and they bring it to life. With flips, you got to take it another step further, and you also got to worry about like if you're buying a property that has old HVAC um, or a old electrical panel or pushmatic or something like that. You know, tenants aren't going to care that much, although you do need to know that they're going to be on the way out. But homeowners are going to ding you on that. We had a flip recently where we had HVAC that was kind of on the line and we needed to replace it to get the sale through. So you need to um, you need to take those things into account, upgrading those. You know, you might be able to hold that HVAC that's 15, 20 years old for a couple more years of the rental. You probably aren't going to be able to sell it that way without at least giving a discount. Especially if you're targeting a first-time homebuyer situation many times a first time home buyers you know like they're coming in with a very little down payment type of a situation and they want a brand new house because they don't want to have to worry about replacing they don't roofs, have the cash water heaters yeah i mean those are and they don't know what things. they're looking at and they see an inspection report so they just freak out right did so, you say freak out freak out <laughs> thank you sometimes we've called it the look trying to give the property the look i'm not a big fan of gray i have to admit because I do feel it kind of doesn't wear on a person as well as uh, earth tones. But we, when we are flipping a house retail to a homeowner, we are painting them light gray. It's kind of a warm gray. Uh, there is a color out there. You can go to Sherman Williams. And it is, this is what our designer says to us. And by the way, we use a designer from Sherman Williams, which charges, a, charges us $150 every time we decide to retail a house and flip it to a homeowner. Because we want her to give us the kind of buyer's eyes that we need as much as we've been in the business. Uh, we're a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, efficiency nuts. And she's going in there and saying, this is the look you need to give it. And we call it the look. And this gray, she says, anyway, I've not been able to quantify this, but it sells more than every other interior color on the market together combined, this one color. And uh, you can ask your Sherman William uh, representative or any other paint store representative, what is the current most sold interior color? It's likely a warm gray color, but I, I was really it, hoping you were going to give us the name of it. I was like, what is it? <laughs> I think it's, isn't it Revere Pewter? I think that's right. Thank you, Amanda. Revere yeah, I think Pewter, it's Revere yeah. Pewter. And um, I mean, I think the other one that is right in line with it is Agreeable Gray. And I think... Any of the paints know what that is because those are both really I hate popular. These names, but well, yeah, they're awful. You should go read them. <laughs> you don't but agree with I them. I think what's important is it's not really, especially if you're trying to put it out in a retail market. It's not important what you think looks good. It's important what the masses think looks good. So if you're trying to do something, if you're not a designer but you think you are and you have a specific taste, you should go get a second opinion and not just rely on your taste. That's huge. Because, because you like it. Um, you know, we were, uh, we were looking at, um, properties in Pensacola cause we're moving and stumbled on one of the funniest listings I've ever seen. Cause the guy's out of his mind. So he was like property appraised for 425,000. I know what I've got though. So don't waste my time if you're going to offer me less than 475. And then every picture, every single room along the crown molding under countertops, under cabinets, he has like those party lights. And it's like, you know, like all of his pictures are with the lights off and like different lights on in the rooms. And it's like, okay, that's interesting. What like icing on the cake 
was the last picture, kid you not, was the view from a camera inside a shower. And his listing was like, we have like a 29, you know, camera, whole home system. And it was like, okay, you're nuts. (laughs) So so just because you want cameras in your shower doesn't mean that your next buyer is going to want that. Nobody wants that. Well. Nobody that we should, nobody that you want to be uh, doing business with was that. Well, the other thing, so when we're looking for a flip property, which isn't our specialty, there are some properties that you walk into that um, it's almost it, you hit a wall with like this looks fine, but it needs so much work we can't touch it. There's specific areas that we're trickier to update. Um, the nineties is a real tough era for us too, because it has a lot of, uh, oaky wood, which is a totally a taste for some people, brass, pinkish countertops, and the stuff might be in okay shape, but it's just not going to be super appealing to all. And so sometimes those are things that we don't touch, but one thing, you know, when we're, you know, trying to modernize a flip or, you know, maybe taking into account one thing that's really cool about older properties and why they are so desirable for flips is, especially in our area, they tend to be on bigger lots. New construction, they're just jamming it in in lots half the size of what they were doing even just 15 or 20 years ago. So if you, you know, like that can be really desirable for a family that's looking for, you know, a reasonable size lot to live on. They don't want to just have like a postage stamp backyard. And so you can give them that house that they're looking for by taking a 25-year-old house adding a few, you know, putting in some lighting, updating the paint scheme and maybe changing out the countertops. And then you're giving them a house on a lot that's twice of what they could get for new construction. And so it gives you a real edge up on the new construction market. I think another thing just to keep in mind if you're doing flips, especially if you're not a realtor or not somebody who's well-versed in maybe what sells retail, it's a really good idea to have a local realtor that you can chat with. And, uh, and get advice and kind of have some questions answered for you. Um, we had a property that actually a private lender reached out to me on that he'd funded for a first-time flipper and a young kid, like early 20s. And he thought that it would be really cool to knock out one of the bedrooms to have just a giant living room. So the kid cut this property down from a 3-2 down to a 2-2 to have just a, a, a massive living room. And the realtor was like, you just cut thirty, forty thousand dollars worth of value out of this property. So it's I think it's important to have somebody that you can ask those kinds of questions to. Now, as an investor that's even remotely been in real estate, you understand that probably removing bedrooms isn't a good idea. But um potentially, you know, things like should we close in a dining room and convert it into a bedroom things of that nature are going to be good questions to ask kind of a a local realtor on kind of that note let's move over to wholetailing to an investor or kind of like a like a homeowner that is willing to do a little bit of work um cuz i know right now particularly in the market this stuff has been flying for us so um I can take this one or if you guys have any thoughts on it. Um, well, I, I think I'll just start and you can jump in, Ryan. But, uh, you know, one thing I've made a mistake on in the past is retailing a property when I didn't have the re- really the resources. And that means that it took way too long uh, to get the contractors out. 
uh, the holding cost added up. And, you know, when it was all said and done, I put all this time and energy into it. And if I would have just thought of minimizing what I could do, and wholetailing is certainly a good way to minimize what I could do, I could have sold it so much more quickly. I could have taken, uh, you know, the sales price down a number of notches and found that um, homeowner who who has some gumption and wants to do changes themselves. So I think that's a really a, a something you need to evaluate. And part of it is evaluating yourself and your team. What are you ready to do? What can you do most and efficiently honest. and effectively? Yeah, for sure. I had a flip that I did back in 2016. And I, it was one of those like, this thing's going to change my life kind of a deals, right? Uh, it looked like there was a $100,000 spread in profit. And we went under, con- it was one of the first, it was one of the only properties I've actually bought off the MLS. Um, I got it under contract within a couple hours of it going live. And uh, long, long story short, the next day I got a call from somebody who offered me, I think a 25 or $30,000 assignment to take on the project. And uh, I was like, oh, I'm going to make a hundred. Why would I sell this to you for 30? Oh, is hindsight 2020. So or on 25 this property, in this case, 25, 30. In yeah. This case. On this property, a year later, it's all said and done. It's finally closed after all the issues. And I got a check for 3,300 bucks. <laughs> so it was like, uh, even my wife was like, you know, like, I don't normally like get into business things, but maybe we should have taken that check. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah, you're not. Well, at least wrong, you got but... $5 an hour. I've had properties where I've had to pay out. Oh, uh, as have I. <laughs> that. Uh, so I, I think on the note of, you know, kind of looking at, is this property potentially a good fit to wholesale or to sell as is? So the, the big thing I look at, cause we've done quite a few of these lately is, is it livable as it sits and, and is it clean enough? You know, we did one that was a $320,000 house that I got for, I think, 247,000. And uh, we spent a thousand bucks. We had Mary maids come in and they steamed cleaned the carpets to kind of get some stains and some spots out. They dusted and we were able to sell it. Now, the carpet isn't what I would call like, wow, this is great. But it was like, you know, a family can live here and they're not going to feel like they're living on somebody else's old mess. It's not new carpet. That's pretty obvious. But it's not like, you know, it's not stained, right? So I'm typically looking for something like that. Or a lot of the times with kind of wholesale deals that we're selling to either a flipper or um, a homeowner buyer. For anybody who's not familiar, because I get this question all the time, a wholesale, basically a property we close on, do almost nothing to, and turn around and list it on the market. It's basically a flip where we don't do any work. So another thing that I typically look for is like builder grade level. Um, Like maybe they bought the property new five, 10, 15 years ago and haven't really updated anything. So it's still kind of, you know, livable uh, finishes are decent, but it's not, it's not modern necessarily. A lot of the times those are a good candidate for uh, something like this. The other thing we'll typically look at is just major systems. Um, We've done a few where we've simply just slapped a roof on it and then turn around and listed it. So um, properties that are financeable, 
that don't necessarily need a ton of work. It's more cosmetic updating. You may be able to make the same amount of money or more listing it um, as is. And when I say as is, like we're still going to fix stuff that comes up on inspections, but we're not doing the construction ourselves. So it's a potentially a good exit. Andrew, you might want to jump into this uh, a little bit with your uh, teams um, in terms of rehab and where you... I mean, our rehab model has been very... Try to be as straightforward, quick, in and out as possible. And so with the Burr model, the value add is very usually usually straightforward. But there are examples where it makes sense to kind of go a step beyond that. One of the most obvious is if there's an easy way to go from a second bedroom to a third. That's the biggest. The biggest difference is, is two to three. One to two, obviously, if you can do that, that's important. There aren't very many one-bedroom houses. Three to four, kind of anything more than that's useless. But two to three, because three is like the small uh, smallest that a, a family can use. And so if you find a place to add a third bedroom, a way to do that without making, if they have a master that's not, you're not going to make into tiny little you know, closets, then, then that's something you should do. With student housing, obviously, you want to create as many bedrooms as possible. With fam- family housing, if you can add a third, that's important. Finishing basements if they're walkout. We don't finish basements if they are regu- like if they're completely underground. It's they're probably going to get water. It's it's uh, especially it's, in the Midwest. That's or in the Northwest. We do, a, <laughs> we do sometimes we do a finish job where we basically paint the floors in oil based paint so it doesn't rub off, and then paint the walls white. So paint the floors gray, the walls white, um, and then that we'll kind even of gives spray you the a, ceiling too. Yeah, the ceiling too. If there is a ceiling, oftentimes it's just uh, it's just uh, beams and ducts and stuff like that. But that gives it a semi-finished feel, and they might put like you know pool table and something went down there. But we might make it finished if it's a walkout basement where it's on one side it's underground, on the other side you can walk out in the backyard or whatnot. Um, I wouldn't recommend finishing any other any other circumstances and no adding egress windows are very expensive so egress windows are extremely expensive especially got to cut into the concrete and if you have water issues in a basement it's hard to it's hard to go in and try to fix those if you're gonna if you're gonna have a finished basement you know you would probably want to start with it in new construction you don't really want to be trying to fix a 60 year old basement that's had water issues for 60 years it's just like chasing your tail around and generally we don't want to add space unless it's, it's in the midwest and other places in really expensive markets you add space anywhere you can in the midwest space isn't that expensive so like we don't convert garages very often um I pretty much i i can't actually think of doing it i think we did it once um like garage conversions generally don't make sense. One time we actually unconverted a garage conversion to get the garage back. Um, I also think in some markets, the garage conversion is a little, um, it was sort packing. of faddish, like a thing that people yeah. were doing, like they were finishing out basements and then people wanted, or finishing out garages, then people kind of wanted their garages back for storage and that sort of thing. Yeah, because when people got more stuff in your garage. Dense it's really good to ask area. if it's permitted. Yeah. We've, I think a lot of the deals we've done in Indianapolis, oh, you know, we turned the garage into a fourth bedroom. Did you pull permits? No. <laughs> like, okay. So that's got to come back out, which just gets you a better deal. So, yeah, unless you're buying from a bank, then they don't care. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, and if you're, uh, so, so space conversion, but I would say adding a bed, uh, the other thing, going from a two to three bedroom and going from a one to anything more bathroom or adding a half bath in the master. Those are both um, 
those are both important um, ways to add value. And it's much easier if, if if there's a basement where the plumbing is easily available underneath. And also if you're close to the other bathroom, like if you put the bathroom right next to each other, that makes it a lot easier to run the plumbing. So, but if you have a place to add a second bathroom or a second or a half bathroom, especially if it's a master, um, that's always, that's always a good way to add, add, to add value without enormous expense and without changing the floor plan or anything like that. I kind of use the example of like almost like a swimming pool of as you go up in like bedrooms and bathrooms, you just, you attract such a larger pool of people. Like the amount of people that want a studio apartment is fairly low. You get to, you know, a one, one that's better. You get to a two, one that's better. A two, one and a half is even better. Cause then guests don't have to like go into a bedroom to get to a bathroom or something. You get to a three, one and a half, a three, two, a four, two. I do agree with Andrew, pretty much anything over four bedrooms and two and a half baths really isn't going to add that much value. But unless it's a student rental. Unless unless it's a student rental, correct. But even some things have trended with that. You know, um, students, I think, are turning a little more oh, spoiled, I guess is maybe a little word. In, or, you know what I would say? It's a they, kind way to put it. Well, <laughs> they are wanting their own bathrooms to go with their bedrooms it's and maybe they don't want to live with as many people the way people are living changes and is cyclical and you know it's really weird it's either they want this really giant house and they're just going to live like a fraternity house or they want to be in a two bedroom with just one other person isn't aren't we supposed to be living in pods here by 2030 <laughs> <laughs> get that off amazon yeah <laughs> So maybe we ought to also think of some unique ways that we've put our add value glasses on when we've gone into a property. Why don't you guys talk about ADUs? Yeah, that's that'd be one of them. Well, um, those are great and also a little bit tricky just because oftentimes with an ADU, with our issues... An organ- ADU is an accessory dwelling unit, by the way, in case you're yes. Um, The city's really kind of cracked down and they they so you can't rent it out to two individual people like a duplex um you're technically it has to be like owner occupied on one side but what you could do is rent the whole unit you can rent you know we have a couple properties that we rent we just rent it out on one lease and if those people want you know to re-rent it or just among themselves figure out you know, like I'm going to live in the studio and the family's going to live in the three bed, one bath or something like that. So, you know, obviously sometimes we'll push limits and try to rent it out like a duplex, but then oftentimes we'll get I was more just even talking like you and Bill both house hack, which I think that was the most surprising thing for me about Bill when I went out to Oregon. It's like, you own how much real estate and wait, you have tenants in your house, (laughs) right? Yeah, but- Go ahead, Bill. But um, I, you were my well, inspiration actually, because I wanted. <laughs> I, wanted I mean, the, I'm looking I at doing it now too. Yeah, Amanda actually built her house uh, from scratch, his new construction with a ADU unit in it. So that's really the prime way to do it because if you do it from the beginning, you're going to add value in a way that uh, uh, is going to help you pay your mortgage, and that, I mean, that's kind of what it's all about. So we've kind of moved from the ski slope of what is the aperture of being able to sell at the highest possible price to a retail buyer to now, what is the way to uh, gain the most equity from a property by making it so rentable 
that you're you're increasing its rental value is essentially what you're doing. And of course, ADUs are one way to do that. Uh, another one we recently are working on in Portland that we've just finished, and uh, this next week we're showing it to some groups that are looking to rent this house as a group home, and they actually have a business. And these businesses are increasingly uh, out there where people are are uh, providing. Uh, kind of community living for folks who are getting older or they have mental issues or physical issues. Substance abuse or prison release. Well, and we actually, when we bought this house because it had five bedrooms and three bathrooms, we remodeled it and rehabbed it in a way that to attract group homes because there are, you know, there's some window requirements. The reason why this house specifically worked because it was five bedrooms all on one level. That's huge, especially if you're looking on it at, you know, if they're going to put seniors in it to eliminate the need for steps, you know, there's window. That's a whole height. business model in and of itself. Right. So there's window high issues. And basically by doing that, and obviously it costs a little bit more, but that was our, kind of our target, um, res, you know, that was our target audience to find a tenant. It went from a, you know, a $2,500 a month rental to a $4,500 a month rental. And, you know, we'll kind of see how that plays into appraised value since we do have to get a commercial appraisal or a commercial loan on our residential, you know, if the appraisal appraiser will take that into account, this is something that we're kind of experimenting with, but the cash flow will be great. So yeah. And one feature of this house is actually there was a garage conversion and this hits on a number of uh, notes that we've already talked about. It wasn't totally permitted. So it took us months to rectify that, which we didn't really anticipate getting into the property. Well, uh, but especially we... because at right at right before we were closing, the title company called you and said, oh, we found there's a utility bill that didn't get included in title. And you said, okay, we'll go ahead and pay it. it wasn't a utility bill. It was a penalty from the city of Portland for outstanding issues. And then it was like, we got into it and unraveled it. It wasn't our best. It yeah, wasn't our best. Well, well the city my... of Portland is just so gracious to work with, <laughs> what I've heard. <laughs> well, it, it, you know, once in a while, I mean, this, this situation, we, we had to close it. But you really want to know if a title company is saying, yeah, we can close it, but there's only one little glitch on the title that you'll need to accept. You really need to look at that glitch very closely. <laughs> Uh, that was a lesson there because that cost us thousands and thousands of dollars trying to rectify that. Now, because it had a com- garage conversion, it, a two, two car garage conversion, it actually lends itself very well to this group home concept because the house manager or the owner operator will be living and their family will be living in the, the two car part of the, of the conversion. And then the other five bedroom will be for their, uh, for their business and for their uh, customers, their, their folks are taking care of. So I think one of the kind of one of the important things to highlight here is how this helps you scale your business. So by having things like central AC, as many you know bedrooms and bathrooms as possible that make sense for the particular situation, I think the big thing we're talking about here is boosting rentability. So the easier it is to fill properties with quality people, the faster you can grow and scale. I mean, I'll be blunt. One of the issues we ran into in Indianapolis was RGC, who no longer works for us, had a really, really hard time with that last 10%. And that's, that's really typical. 
Um, I've heard a lot of people say, you know, the first 90%, uh, the last 10% is just as difficult <laughs> to get done. It's all the kind of punch list finishing things. And we had a phase where we were having a hard time getting properties filled because that last 10% was just kind of meh. So you look at like Andrew mentioned small things like light switch covers and, you know, um, trim and things of that nature. It's kind of like the, the bow isn't on the present, so to speak. Whereas, you know, if you really want to grow your business and scale it in, in a way that, you know, not just growing for the sake of growth, but scaling intelligently by having kind of some of these value add options, making sure you're, you're meeting the demand of what the market's looking for, not what you would personally like you're going to be able to fill stuff quickly with quality people. I mean, we went from um, pretty slow fill up and lease up to, I mean, we've had 12 to 15 rental applications this week. That's not showings. That's people that have said, yes, I'll take it, screen me and paid, right? So, um, you know, I think that's kind of a, by doing these value add things, making sure like in the Midwest, a lot of properties are on window units. I don't know about you. I'm not, I'm not going to deal with window units, right? So, um, you know, doing things that attract the largest pool of qualified applicants, not only are you going to make more money, but you're going to be able to scale your business because you're not going to have a big lag or breakdown when it comes to renewal, or you're not going to have a ton of turnover, right? You may be able to fill a place with window, with window units, but that family lives through one Midwestern July and August of it being 82 degrees in the house and that window unit starting to blow warm air, they're probably not going to renew. Yeah. And that, that means, I think, looking at your value add proposition and spending dollars right off the bat and not, not trying to, I guess, cheap it out. So if that, well, that means, means you've you got to get a good deal to begin with. Yeah. If that means you, you only try to... to cheap it out, if you sold yourself on buying a deal, you shouldn't have bought in the first place. Yeah. That's a very good point because uh, that means you might need to pass on that property because, yeah, maybe I could do this or I could let this go and let this go and let this go. But what is the end product? If you're going to be customer centric, either in the sale of a property or in the rental of a property, then you've got to say, what, what do my customers really value? And what's it going to take to rent this property to quality people who are going to live there a long time and enjoy themselves? And if you do it at first, if you do most of the work up front rather than, you know, at turnover and the next turnover, the next turnover, you're going to get the kind of person you want right off the bat. And you're also going to be able to charge the highest amount of rent possible. Nobody wants to be an accidental slumlord. So go into it. Uh, begin with the end in mind. Hey, that you didn't. That just sounds like that a up, good book way. title. <laughs> <laughs> Bill's like, yes. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Thank you, Stephen Covey. By the way, I hope you've uh, enjoyed this uh, process. There's a lot more ideas, and we'll certainly be sharing those. But we'd also like your ideas, your comments, your thoughts, your suggestions. And if you want us to answer questions and deal with a specific topic, please let us know. And go to thegoodstewards.com. Tell your friends about it. Throw us some likes and uh, don't throw a shade. Throw us some lights. Likes. Okay. Anyway, uh, enjoy your day and we'll be back at it again next week. Thanks. Thanks.